With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. This is an interactive, interactive podcast designed for audience participation. Come talk, talk, text chat, or listen live at TalkShoe.com. Uh, good evening, everybody, and uh, welcome to the next episode of Traveling to Italy. Uh, we're going to talk about something uh, beautiful tonight, which is Venice and the surrounding areas. And we're going con- to continue on uh, the latest uh, theme, if you will, in terms of uh, get, having the uh, the top ten places to uh, to see, things to do, that sort of stuff uh, in the area. Um before I get started, uh, two things. First of all, uh, some communications things. Again, if you want to email me, send it to Jules, J-U-L-E-S, at TalkShoe.com. And if you do want to join me on the show, I would like to have some live talkers to uh, share their experiences, ask some questions, chat, that sort of thing. You can come to uh, TalkShoe.com at uh, 11 p.m. Eastern Time on Wednesdays, which is, of course, now and when I do my, my show. Now, before I get started on, on the actual top ten, I need to have a little bit of a preamble in terms of, of Venice itself. And most of the things we'll talk about today are indeed about the, the, the center and the town, uh, I should say, city of Venice. Now, if you've never been to Venice, it's it's a little hard to imagine. Uh, please, before you go, or, or even right after you do the, listen to this uh uh, podcast. Go look at some pictures. Uh, it's very difficult to explain what it looks like because it's so incredibly unique. The city itself has uh, a no no roads for cars. Uh, it's all uh, sidewalks and streets uh, for pedestrians, with hundreds of canals and have to be thousands of bridges because literally, if you can imagine, uh, street corners at which every intersection is a bridge to uh, the other side of the street. In this case, the streets are, are uh, indeed water. So it's an incredibly uh, picturesque uh, area, and um, you know, you've probably seen um, buildings or uh, seen pictures or, uh, or shots of buildings where literally people come out of their, their front door or back door, depending upon the, uh, how it's laid out, obviously, and literally step onto a boat or onto a, uh, a dock, which is you know, obviously where their, uh, the boat is docked, uh, which is something you can't imagine unless you've been there. Okay, so let's get started uh, in terms of our uh, top ten. And uh, coming in at, at number ten, and number ten isn't, isn't bad, certainly. It's just you know, the bottom of, of the list of, of all the great things to see uh, in the area is uh, the Rialto Bridge, or a Ponte Rialto. Ponte means bridge in Italian. Uh, this is a lovely bridge. It goes across um, a relatively uh, wide uh, place in the uh, Grand Canal. Um, I understand it's uh, 16th century in terms of its architecture, 
and it does have uh, wonderful views. It's sort of a bridge that that kind of peaks pretty high in the center, and there are, there are great views from there uh, over the uh, Grand Canal. Now the bridge is unique, it, although it's a pedestrian bridge. Uh, it's relatively wide, and there are shops, um, clothing shops, jewelry shops, leather shops, shoe, shoe stores, all sorts of things that uh, line the the bridge itself. It's kind of uh, similar in a way to the Ponte Vecchio, which is in uh, Florence. Okay, so uh, so that's number number 10. Now let's move on to number 9. Certainly something that if you're going to go to Venice, you have to do. You don't want to go there and come home and say that you haven't uh, taken a gondola ride. Now I do have it at number, at number 9. I, I wouldn't put it as high as some of the uh, sites that we'll talk about later, but it's certainly something that should be on your list. Uh, a couple of things about the, the gondola rides. Um, first of all, they're, they're not inexpensive. Uh, you're generally talking $100 plus uh, for a ride, and uh, it's a bit negotiable, uh, depending upon uh, how good of a negotiator you are. You'll certainly get different prices. Uh, certainly, you should be very specific about where you're going to on the gondola ride. Uh, if you're going somewhere and then coming back to the same location, or if you're going to be dropped off somewhere, you need to make perfectly clear uh, wh exactly where you're going, or else uh, the gondolier may give you a, a very short ride. So you need to, like I said, be, be pretty specific. In terms of when to take a gondola ride, uh, really up to you, day or night. Personally, I prefer the nighttime. I find going through the canals uh, with all the lights uh, of the, uh, the buildings and the bridges just, just to be um, you know, magnificent. But of course, if you want to take a gondola ride during the day, um, you know, go for it. Uh, you should also uh, do some reading on gondoliers. It's a fairly uh, interesting trade. Uh, this is a uh, trade that's been passed down uh, over the centuries. And uh, literally, people pass it from generation to generation, and they teach their, their sons uh, to, to be gondoliers. And uh, there's certainly a knack to it. Uh, try, try rowing a boat with one oar which is, in effect, what they're doing. It's just not the easiest thing. Okay, moving on to uh, number eight. Uh, we're going to leave the main uh, center of Venice, and we're going to go off into the islands. There are a number of islands that uh, are uh, on the outside of, of Venice, sort of, um, if you will, almost breaking the waves. I don't mean that literally, but they're, they're out um, a little bit uh, from, the, from the shoreline. Uh, one particular island I love is Murano, M-U-R-A-N-O, and Murano is uh, known for glass. If you've ever seen Venetian glass, uh, generally multicolored, uh, some people might even say on the gaudy side, uh, but there's frankly all types of different glass. And it's not just that you're going to, to glass stores. But in, inside the stores, you know, in the back or, or uh, in a neighboring building, uh, there are actually the factories where they make the glass, and they'll give you a tour and show you how they, um, you know, fire the glass and make the different shapes and things like that. In terms of buying glass, you can pretty much get anything you want. Uh, if you see two different glasses that you'd like a little bit of this and a little bit of that, they'll pretty much make it for you. Uh, when I was there a couple times ago, uh, my wife and I bought a whole set of um, of glassware, uh, dining room uh, glassware, and um, you know we we asked them to to gild it here and there, and, and it was great. And in that case, they ended up sending it to us because they were going to make uh, each of the glass glasses by hand, 
and uh, we got them in a, in a few months. So uh, that, that was uh, great to know that we actually saw the factory where they were coming from. Uh, there is a museum there uh, for, of glass if you're really interested. Quite honestly, I see that the uh, shops themselves are museums. They have, they have all sorts of absolutely beautiful glassware, uh, not just you know, the basics, but, but chandeliers and mirrors and all kinds of things like that. Uh, so that, that would be, uh, that'd be number eight on the list. Um, moving to, uh, to number seven is another island, and this is the island of Lido, L-I-D-O. And uh, Lido is an island that does have a beach. Now, we're not talking about you know, beaches like in the Caribbean or, or uh, you know, the coast uh, of the U.S. Or, or the Mediterranean or something like that. But they're, they're nice beaches, a little relaxing day uh, away from the hustle and bustle of the main part of Venice. In addition, if you can catch it right in the early to mid part of September, there is a film festival uh, called the Biennale del Cinema, uh, or, or Cinema um, in English. And this is about a 10-day event. Uh, you will see movies from all over the world, um, Italian movies, subtitled American movies, uh, all sorts of things like that. You will probably run into some, uh, some Hollywood stars, and things like that. Uh, if you're not going during the, the, the uh, cinema, it's still a nice island to, to visit. And like I said, uh, very react, uh, relaxing. I should mention, because I talked about the uh, Biennale uh, del Cinema, that Biennale in general is a, a very large event that happens every two years. Um, it's on the odd years. And this lasts from June to November. And it's a think of it as a giant arts festival. Um, for art, for music, for film, and there's various events uh, during that period of time. Uh, if, you, if you're to go those years, you certainly want to check out the Internet, find out uh, what the various happenings are and, uh, and places of interest in terms of where they're showing art or the, the um, music, uh, music um, venues and things like that. So. That's something you might want to do. Again, that's not necessarily on Lido. It's just mentioning it because I mentioned the other uh, the other festival of, of uh, film. Uh, coming in at number six is actually eating. Now, I will say that in many of my top ten, you will probably find that eating Italian food is very high up on the list. Uh, in this case, it's number number six, though, so it's really not at the very top. And the reason I put it uh, down there versus at the very top is that I really don't consider the food in Venice great compared to the other parts of Italy. Um, I've certainly had better and cheaper in other cities, um, but still, of course, Italian food is Italian food, and it's, it's quite good. Now, you know, Venice does have its uh, fair share of, uh, frankly, overpriced, mediocre uh, restaurants that really cater to tourists. So you really want to try to avoid them. Uh, one classic thing to look out for is something that would be called a tourist menu. You'll probably see it in four different languages. And you maybe maybe even will see waiters kind of trying to get you in the restaurant outside, <coughs> which isn't a very good sign. It's also really not much of a pizza town. Um, you got to be aware of kind of the gooey uh, pizzerias that are not not fresh pizzas, but they've been laying around and, and reheated and things like that. So uh, I would avoid that. Now, now what should you eat? Well, uh, the fish is really the, the best thing to eat in Venice. Uh, any types of fish that, that is caught fresh, 
Uh, shellfish is great. Uh, squid is great. Uh, they're prepared in all sorts of different ways. So I, I would definitely stick to fish if you like fish, of course. The other things that uh, I would look for are wine bars, and uh, they're called a bakari. They uh, basically are what you'd expect, you know, a wine bar where there's all different types of wine that you can taste. Uh, some of the ones you might want to look out for are from the surrounding regions uh, outside of, of Venice. Uh, there's a red wine called Terrano. Um, and on the white side of things, uh, a Pino Bianco. Uh, Bianco, by the way, means white in Italian. And Pino Grigio. So uh, those are a couple of uh, different wines you want to check out. Now, these wine bars also will have various snacks, uh, crostini, uh, little uh, bits of you know fish on bread, uh, some meats, uh, cheeses, things like that. So it's a place you can also uh, grab a, a nice lunch and, uh, and, and enjoy, enjoy the wine, obviously. Now, overall, I guess what I would say, because there are a lot of potentially tourist places and mediocre restaurants, is before you go, I would certainly uh, buy a uh, travel book or two on, on Venice and under you know, dining, you know, check out the better restaurants and, and seek them out uh, instead of just walking into a random place. But, but I don't want to end on that type of a note. I want to end on a positive note, which is that the food is certainly great, um, as, as is uh, all Italian food, at least as far as I'm concerned. Okay, so now we're moving into the, the ranks of the top, top five. And number five on the list is the Palazzo Ducale. Palazzo, uh, again, means palace. Uh, it's also referred to as the Doge's Palace. Uh, this is a very interesting building. It's right on the big lagoon, and people call it a lagoon. It, it's sort of uh, it's right on the the edge of Florence, and you might think of it more as a giant bay. Um, it's lagoon perhaps has the, the connotation of being small. It's it's a pretty large lagoon or or bay, and there are islands dotting it uh, in in a you know kind of a large oval shape. But if you were on the lagoon looking towards uh, the city of Venice, the, uh, the Palazzo di Cale does uh, dominate uh, much of the, uh, of, of the view if you're looking straight on into the center of, of Venice. Uh, I mean, it's not enormous, but it's, it's, a, it's a very distinct building um, uh, on the water. It's also a, a kind of an interesting building in terms of what it what has been used for, um, as, of course, its, its name it, it, is, it was a palace, uh, so there are a lot of different apartments. Um, and again, when I say apartments, don't think of it as you know New York City apartments. The apartments means kind of the rooms where where people lived. Uh, it's also a part uh, part government building. Uh, it was also a part prison, and and there are even uh, some torture chambers. <laughs> so it's a very um, you know multifunctional building. Uh, I certainly would uh, recommend, which is part of the main tour, you're going to see the apartments themselves. They are highly decorated rooms, uh, gilded uh, ceilings, uh, paintings on the walls by the likes of Veronese and Tintoretto and, and other um, masters in the northern part of, of Italy. And it's, uh, it's certainly a great tour, and I would highly recommend it. Now, in addition, you want to look for a guided tour, which has some things that are not on the, the general tour. And there you will be taken to some secret rooms and uh, the Piombi uh, prison, which is quite different and interesting. And indeed, uh, they will show you some of the torture chambers if, if you're into that sort of thing. But it's certainly, uh, it's certainly interesting. and It's not just uh, a typical palace as you might see in, in other places uh, in Italy. 
Okay, uh, number four, we're actually going to venture outside of Venice. And about an hour, an hour and a half uh, train ride from Venice is the city of Verona. It's uh, one of my favorite cities in Italy for one primary reason, and that is the Arena di Verona. And uh, this arena is one of the largest arenas or amphitheaters from Roman times. It's uh, a bit smaller than the Colosseum uh, in, in Rome, but it's pretty close. Uh, this, is, this is a big building, and it can seat in the 15,000-person uh, range. In particular, what they show there in the summer months uh, into uh, mid-September is a series of operas. And the operas are magnificent. Frankly, whether or not you're into opera, it doesn't really matter. If you can imagine an, an amphitheater, think of it as a, a giant round baseball stadium, where half of the, the stands are where the opera is. So these are massive operas with an enormous stage, but not just the stage on, on the ground, up through the steps, the marble steps, they create almost entire cities. And I've seen uh, opera there with horses and um, dancing in different levels. It, it's just a, a magnificent spectacle. So I wouldn't put Verona as number four in terms of a city. I would put specifically the Verona Opera and the Arena di Verona as, uh, as my number four. And, and what I find, I guess, the most interesting, and I don't know, it's kind of a tough one for me. Uh, you know, which would I rather go, there or the Roman Colosseum? It may sound strange, but I guess the real difference is the Colosseum in Rome is a tourist attraction that you're going to see uh, from, from, of course, Roman times, whereas the Arena di Verona is from the same times, but yet you're actually using it. And I guess you sort of feel what it was like to be as a Roman. I'm sure they were there listening to um, operas and spectacles and, and things like that. And uh, you're literally sitting on the, the, the marble steps. And it's, it's really a, a, a very interesting experience, one that I've never had anywhere else. Now we're back. In, we're into the top three here. Uh, number three I have as uh, the Piazza San Marco, which is the main center of Venice. Uh, this is a very large piazza, and kind of around the corner, uh, people uh, might refer to it as a piazzetta, which is little piazza, uh, San Marco. And it's right, the, the piazzetta is right on the water, and it's where when you go, you'll, you'll recognize it right away because there's a lot of uh, pictures, both from the, you know, the piazza and the piazzetta uh, San Marco. A very large, as I said, uh, the central place. Uh, from there is, you know, with where all, frankly, the, the tourists start, uh, the, the giant cruise ships let you off uh, kind of a little bit down the, the canal, but you tend, tend to walk right to the, uh, uh, the piazza. There are street vendors there, uh, restaurants um, around the, the piazza. Uh, within a few blocks of there, there's uh, shopping of just about anything you'd want. And one of the things that's also very... Um, recognizable, I guess, or very um, noticeable about the piazza is there are literally thousands of pigeons. Um, and I know some of you may not like pigeons, but just kind of, if you don't like them, you know, go on the side and watch people feed the pigeons because it's just a, an amazing uh, kind of sight there. Um, I don't know, maybe from New York City, it's no big deal because you've seen a lot of pigeons, but it, it's just kind of a, a fun setting in, in a very large piazza. Uh, number number two is uh, right next door. 
and that is the uh, San Marco Church or uh, Basilica. Uh, this is an exquisite uh, church. Um, it's the kind of place that even if you're you're not into churches, you definitely want to go. Um, some of the uh, things about the the church itself, uh, I have read there are over forty thousand square feet of mosaics, um, which are are all over uh, the walls of the church, and obviously the mosaics of, of many different artists, um, and they, they are simply magnificent. And one of the great things about mosaics being made out of stone is they pretty much last forever. It's not like an oil painting that may darken you know, over the years or, uh, or, or crack or something like that. The, the mosaics are probably in, in just about the same form as they were hundreds of years ago when they were, when they were made. And uh, these mosaics are from a number of uh, different uh, centuries. Another thing you'll want to catch are the uh, four uh, gilded bronze horses, which are on the upper level of the church. Uh, they're, they're wonderful to see. Uh, in addition, uh, there's the altar, which is the paladoro, and oro means um, gold, and this is indeed made uh, is gilded and also has jewels and gems and uh, all sorts of things like that. It's a, it's a truly magnificent altarpiece. And then uh, outside of the basilica, as as is the case in, in most of the basilicas in Italy, there is a, a bell tower. Uh, it's about 300 or so feet high. And uh, from the top of that bell tower, you get a magnificent view of the city of Venice as well as uh, the surrounding waterways, the islands, and uh, it's it's certainly worth uh, worth a climb to see that that particular view. So that uh, that definitely comes in at at number two. Now, some of you who've been to Venice or read about it may be saying, "Well, wait a minute. What what could possibly be number one? Because uh, I've covered uh, the main attractions uh, in in Venice." But this is perhaps a bit strange uh, for some people, but if I literally were in Venice for one day, uh, in addition to, of course, eating, because I have to and because it's wonderful, what I would do is get lost. And what I mean by that is I would just walk around and, and literally get lost. If you walk through the streets of, of Venice, uh, you will get lost outside of the main areas, and you will eventually find your way, so you know, make sure you have a map. But on every corner, uh, there's a picturesque view. Uh, there's winding streets, uh, like I said, thousands of small bridges. And one of the things that's pretty interesting, even though Venice is a very touristed place, especially in the, the dead center uh, where the Piazza San Marco and the Basilica and the, um, the Plaza Ducal and that sort of thing are located, if you get, you know, 10 streets away, 5, 10 streets away, it, it's as if there were no tourists. And, and as you get further and further, of course, you're not going to run into any tourists, which is always always a nice thing to uh, to avoid if you can. And literally, um, just take a few hours and keep walking. Uh, stop in a wine bar, uh, have a cappuccino, uh, check out some uh, a you know a local church. Uh, it might not be a church that's you know high on the list of sites to see in, in a guidebook, but they're more neighborhood type churches. Uh, there is a Jewish ghetto area, which is, is interesting and very uh, kind of gnarly, winded streets. Now, at the same time, I guess I'm cheating a little, but uh, I, I think it's fair because a lot of the streets in uh, Venice are really water uh, canals. I would uh, tack on to walking around, taking a boat around. And the boats go 
not everywhere, but uh, pretty much to every different uh, district throughout Venice, you can take a boat from one to the other uh, along the Grand Canal and some of the other canals. And, and again, hop on a boat, go somewhere, get off, walk around, come back, take another boat. Um, and like I said, just, just go and, and get lost. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of the message that, that I would have for uh, Venice. Uh, sorry if that comes across the wrong way, but uh, you know, I, I think you know what I mean. Uh, that's that's it for uh, for tonight and and Venice and and also throw in the islands and and Verona in terms of my top ten. Uh, stay tuned uh, next week for our our next top ten and and I'll announce what that uh, what that city will be uh, a bit later on uh, on TalkShoe.com uh, where I list my upcoming episodes. So for this evening, this is Jules signing off. Ciao. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.